Achieving a gorgeous grin from home isn't a total mystery with Byteclear aligners. Just don't be surprised if all of your sleuthing friends start asking, what's your secret? Begin by ordering your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95. Byteclear aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer flexible financing, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at That's Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. You can host the best backyard barbecue. When you find a professional on Angie to make your backyard the best around. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Inside to outside. Repairs to renovations. Get started on the Angie app or visit Angie.com today. You can do this when you Angie that. Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Welcome to the science of success. Introducing your host, Matt Bodner. Welcome to the Science of Success, the number one evidence-based growth podcast on the internet, with more than a million downloads and listeners in over 100 countries. In this episode, we discuss how our guest went from a childhood head injury to becoming an accelerated learning expert. We cover memory, speed reading, improving your focus, taking notes like an expert, and we go deep into the tactics of accelerated learning. We talk about the importance of mastering the fundamentals and get into tons of highly specific and actionable advice that you can use with our guest, Jim Quick. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should join our email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. First, you're going to get an awesome free guide that we created based on listener demand. Our most popular guide, which is called How to Organize and Remember Everything. You can get it completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide when you sign up and join the email list today. Next, you're going to get a curated weekly email from us every single Monday called Mindset Monday. Listeners have been absolutely loving this. It's simple, short, sweet, a few articles, stories, videos that we find really fascinating that we've enjoyed in the last week. Lastly, you're going to get a listener-exclusive chance to shape the show. You get to vote on guests, submit your own personal questions that we will ask the guests in interviews, and vote on changes to the show like new intro music and much more. So sign up and join the email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage, or just text the word SMARTER to the number 44222 if you're on the go or if that's easier. Again, that's SMARTER to 44222. In our previous episode, we discussed how our guest went from a hard-nosed skeptic who thought most self-help was BS to someone who uncovered that evidence-based growth strategies that actually work. 
We talked about our guest's journey from meeting self-help gurus to spiritual leaders and even neuroscientists to discover the biggest lessons about improving your mind and body and the simple, scientifically validated tools that evidence demonstrates are the best ways to be happier with Dan Harris. If you want to know the science about being happy, listen to that episode. Today, we have another awesome guest on the show, Jim Quick. Jim is the founder of Quick Learning and Superhero U. He's a brain coach in speed reading, memory improvement, brain performance, and accelerated learning. His methods and work have been utilized with several high-profile companies, including Nike, SpaceX, and GE, as well as individuals such as the Clintons, Oprah, and Richard Branson. Jim, welcome to the Science of Success. Matt, thank you so much for having me. I've been looking forward to this, and thank you everyone who's joining us. Well, we're super excited to have you on here today. So for listeners who might not be familiar with you and your background, tell us a little bit about your story and, and how you got so interested in accelerated learning. Okay. Well, you could say um, when people see me on stage, they see me do these demos where I'll memorize like 100 people's names forwards and backwards or these 100 words or 100 numbers. And I always tell people, I don't do this to impress you. I really do this to express to you what's really possible because the truth is each of us, everyone who's listening could do also do that and a lot more. And so the only reason why we can is just because we were taught, if anything, a lie, a lie that somehow that our, um, our intelligence, our potential, our memory abilities is somehow fixed like our shoe size. And we've discovered more about the human brain more in the past 20 years than the previous 2000 years. And what we found is we're grossly underestimating its potential. And that's what I'm really excited about. And I know this from personal experience, because as you're asking, my origin story started, um, I wasn't born with these abilities. If anything, I, I grew up with learning challenges. And some people are surprised when they hear me say that, but it's, it came from a early childhood injury. I had a head injury when I was a, a kid and I was very slow to understand things. Teachers would have to repeat themselves numerous times. Uh, I had no memory to speak of, very, very poor focus. It actually took me an extra three, three years to learn how to read. So that was, that was really debilitating for me and really affected me when I was a child. And so um, I struggled all through school. When I was about 18 years old, I just, it got so bad. I was, I was looking at you know, like everybody looking for a fresh start sometimes. I wanted to show the world, I'm gonna show my family, my friends, myself that I could that I was smart enough, that I was good enough in these areas. And I and I and I started taking on a lot of workload and I actually was end up being hospitalized again because I just I wasn't eating, I wasn't sleeping, I wasn't working out, I wasn't doing anything remotely looking like self care. And I ended up passing out in the hospital one night because that's where I was living practically. And I fell down a flight of stairs. I hit my head again. I was in the hospital and I just, another part of me woke up at the same time thinking there has to be a better way. And I started studying, doing a deep dive instead of on subjects in school. School teaches you what to learn, right? Math, history, science, Spanish, all important classes. But there were zero classes on how to learn. You know, just like what we we're talking about in the beginning, meta, this idea of meta learning, learning how to learn, adult learning theory. I wanted to solve this riddle that basically, how does my brain work so I could work my brain better? And I did a deep dive into adult learning theory and multiple intelligences, uh, the early, like old school, the, you know, the art of memory training and speed reading. And uh, about 60 days into it, a light switch flipped on and I just started a whole new world opened up to me. I started to understand things. I started to have this laser focus. I started to retain information almost without trying. I started to be able to, to up my reading uh, abilities to the point where I had never finished a book cover to cover and I was reading like a good 
book or two or three a week and my grades improved and with my grades improving my life improved and really Matt the reason why I'm still doing it to this day you know a couple decades later is because one of the first students I started tutoring this because I was like I can't believe this is not taught back in school one of my very first students she read 30 books in 30 days can, can you imagine that like can you imagine going on Amazon and picking up like 30 business marketing entrepreneur leadership you know health relationship, whatever topic you're interested in, picking up 30 of those books and then finishing it uh, within a month's time. I mean, it blew my mind. I wanted to find out not how she did it, but why she did it. And I found out that through asking that her mother was diagnosed with terminal cancer, was given 60 days to live, two months only to live. And the books she was reading were books to help save her mother's life. And I was blown away because I found out six months later that not only is her mother alive, um, she's really starting to get better. Doctors don't know how or why they were calling it a miracle, but her mother attributed 100% to the great advice she got from her daughter that learned them from all these books. And that's where I realized at that moment, I realized that if knowledge is power, because we've all heard that, right? If knowledge is power, then learning is your superpower. Learning is our superpower. And I think now in today's you know millennium of the mind, we live in an age where you know our greatest wealth is found between our ears. Like no longer are we paid like an industrial age for our brute strength, it's our brain strength. Like nobody listening here is paid for their muscle power. They're, they're, they're compensated and rewarded for fine tuning their mind power because we live in this knowledge economy and knowledge is not only power, knowledge is profit. And I don't just mean financial profit, that's obvious. The faster you can learn, the faster you can earn. But I mean, just all the advantages in life, in your health, in your relationships, um, in your career, and so on. It's just, you know, a lot of it, as you know, in, with your show, in the science of success, there's a, there's a science in art to, to being smart. And that's what I've devoted my life to. I never want people to struggle the way I struggled with. And I think nowadays people are suffering from, you know, all this digital overload and digital dementia where we're losing our memories because we're relying on our smart devices or digital distraction. I mean, who doesn't feel like their brain is not, you know, wired differently because they can't focus in any area because their mind is going place to place to place, you know, to phone notifications and texts and WhatsApp and, you know, social media and emails and so much to keep up with. It feels like it's taking a sip of water out of fire hose. So my goal is I want to be a personal trainer, a brain coach, if you will, to help people to tap into more of that potential so they could be more productive higher performance, have greater peace of mind in a world, you know, where we're driven to distraction. There's so much I want to unpack from that. You know, just starting out, one of the things that sticks out to me, I feel like I want to understand the tension or kind of the connection between doing something like reading 30 books in a month and, and how you can actually retain all that information. And, and sure. you know, there's so much, as you, as you talked about overload and digital dementia, and there's, there's just a, del a deluge of knowledge that, I feel like it goes in one ear and out the other. How can we simultaneously churn through so much and actually retain it and turn it into sort of applied knowledge that, that becomes useful and relevant? And that's, that's really the goal, right? Applied knowledge, because knowledge in itself is not power. And we, we know it's cliche, but you know, we've heard it so much, but just like all cliches, it's, there's, a, there's truth to it that knowledge is not power. It's only potential power. It only becomes power when we apply it, when we take action upon it. And so there really is, um, so this is one of the, I think if there's one superpower to master in the 21st century, I think it's the ability to learn faster. 
And so we do that with you know our podcast show and our online programs, and we we focus in areas of memory improvement, of speed reading, of focus and concentration, in note taking and listening skills. And I mean, these are all the things I wish we would have learned back in school. You know, there was never a, a class on memory, right? And I think what you're talking about when your people are reading, are they really retaining what they read, right? For example, a lot of people. Like traditional speed reading programs taught years ago, and then in some areas it's evolved, some areas it, it hasn't. But traditional speed reading is more associated with skimming or skipping words or getting the gist of what you're reading, which is fine because I think for some people, maybe that's all they need. Uh, they're looking for very specific information, and once they get it, that that's all that they need, and they could take a, an exam, and then they could just forget it, and that's all. For me, that 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 was not the case. Like I grew up not being able to read very well, and so that was always something I've always wanted to conquer and to find a challenge that led to being a greater change. And so the methods that I teach are really focused around not just speed reading. Yeah, I think everybody has the potential to double or triple their reading speed and with the same level of retention and comprehension. And we could go over some of those brain hacks. Um, for me, also, it made sense not just speed reading, but smart reading. And so I like to spend a significant amount of time teaching people how to, how to comprehend information, even if they're not reading it faster how to actually um, understand more of it and retain more of it also as well. And I like to get people who are listening here, if they're willing, if they're up for the challenge, I just did our own podcast episode on how to read one book a week. And I think that if every, you know, the average, you know how many books the average person reads? I mean, obviously you, you, you would read a lot more than the average person, but it's, it's about one or two books a year, which I, I find really scary because I think there's so much great information out there that if somebody wrote, took decades of experience and they put it into a book, maybe they're experts in marketing or leadership or optimal performance, health, relationships, whatever it is, and they put it into a book, and you could download decades into days. So I think people first have to start with you know, what's important to them, meaning that motivation is really a key drive towards learning. I remember I was giving a talk recently in Silicon Valley, and afterwards... Bill Gates came up to me. He was in the audience. We started talking about the future of education, and I, and he's an avid reader. Because in fact, I asked him talking about speed reading. I asked him if he got any one superpower, what would it be? And he looked at me and says, "Jim, the ability to read faster." And I was like, "Wow, I could totally help you with that." And Warren Buffett has been um, has said to Bill that he's probably wasted ten years of his life reading slowly. Because think about how much reading we have to do, probably about four hours a day, half a good workday is spent just processing information, reading emails and blogs and websites and books, newspapers, magazines, you name it. And if you could just double your reading speed and save two hours a day, two hours a day over the course of a year is, is how many hours, right? It's We're talking about 730 hours. I mean, let's just say if you save one hour a day, one hour a day over the course of a year is 365 hours. And if you divide that by 40-hour work weeks, that's, a, that's more than nine weeks of productivity. Two months of productivity, you get back saving one hour a day. So I think starting point with reading, I think you want to tap into this motivation. Because when I was talking to, to Bill Gates about this, we were talking about the future education. I was taking a, a meta-learning approach, uh, you know, adult learning theory. And he was talking about it from a technology standpoint. Um, you know, where those two things collide and somebody was listening was saying, is there anything missing? And we were talking about it. And it was the third thing we came up with, you know, for that, you know, the legs of a stool, if you will, is motivation. 
like human motivation, like what drives people to do what they do? Because a lot of people know what they should be doing, but why aren't they executing? And why, why are they, why are they inconsistent? Why are they not completing it? And so I would say when it comes to reading, which is one of the focuses here, if you want to boost your comprehension, first of all, have a purpose while you read. If we're talking about motivation, I always talk about the success formula. I call it H cubed, H the letter H, three H's, head, heart, hands, head, heart, hands, meaning that you could visualize things in your head. You could affirm things in your head. You could set goals in your head and you know have this vision for what you want things to, to be and imagine it. But if you're not acting with your hands, nothing changes. You're not taking action. And usually what I would look at is the second H, which is the heart, right? Which is a symbol of, of emotions, right? And so what is the where where energy, you know, where your focus goes, energy flows, and what's the fuel for the car? And I Everyone, you know, most of most of your listeners probably read a, a great book called Start With Why by Simon Sinek, I, I assume. And, you know, tapping into your why for learning is very important. So where I would start with when it comes to speed reading, even before reading faster, I would tap into your purpose. Because the fastest way to read something is just not to read it at all. I mean, people, I see so many people wasting time going through and studying something that might not be relevant and they're not filtering out for it. That would be clear on what your outcome is going back to motivation. Um, what's it going to give for you? For the same reason, like one of the big focuses of our company and our podcast is focusing on how to helping people to remember names. Because I think that's some of the most successful people out there are really great networkers. They're really great connectors. They have great charisma. And they have this unique ability to show that they care to other people. And I think that starts with the very first words out of your mouth, which is like introducing yourself. And But the problem is when people forget other people's names, they, uh, it, they, they communicate that that person is not important to them. And it's really hard to show someone you're going to care for their future, their family, their business, whatever it is, if you don't care enough just to remember them. And so that's just really starting with human motivation. And I think the self-awareness, I do believe self-awareness is a superpower to understand intrinsically, extrinsically what motivates you to learn. And so when it comes to speed reading, I would start with smart reading, understand why you want to, what, you, what your goal is for reading the books that you're reading. Because if you have greater interest and higher levels of motivation, automatically your retention, your focus is going to be, it's going to be boosted and enhanced. And then when it comes to tactical things, you know, I, I'm not really big on getting, you know, getting soft information out. Like I remember years ago, um, I just, I learned these skills and I was speaking on it. I was starting to build a good reputation for, for speaking and making entertaining with these mental feats, kind of like a magician who, who does their tricks, if you will. But then I show, I pull the curtain behind and, and show people, take people behind the curtain and show them exactly how to do it. So they could be, you know, these the incredible mentalists as well. And I, got, I remember getting a call one night and the person, I don't know who, I didn't know who it was. So I, I answered it and he says, you got to help me, Jim. I have a, a conference tomorrow and my main speaker, they canceled. I was like, who's this? How'd you get my number? And it was, came through a referral. And basically this person couldn't get out for inclement weather or whatever to do a keynote. And they needed somebody to, you know, to, to speak on stage. And, and I was like, well, you know, what's the topic? I don't, you know, I'm not really prepared for this. And he tells me the topic and I know, I was like, why are you calling me? I know absolutely nothing about that topic. And he was like, yeah, but this guy, he, he wrote a book. I'm like, so he was like, well, I hear you're a speed reader. And I'm like, okay. He's like, well, can you show up a little bit early and read the book? 
And I was like, wow, this is really going to cost you. And, uh, but I ended up going there. I was, the talk was around 12 o'clock. I ended up getting there around nine 30, 10. I read the book and then I present on it. And humbly, it was the highest rated talk um, of the whole conference. And I don't think it's because of my ability to present. I've never taken one minute of public speaking, but I was able to read it and also retain it. Um, and then also I do this whole thing on how to give a speech without notes and go through it. And I taught it. And, um, and I think everybody has that ability. And I, and I know it. I mean, just after teaching this for 25 years and having students, online students in over 150 countries, that we grossly are underestimating our own capabilities and we're faster and we're smarter than we think. So I, I would just, I'm just putting this out there just to start with. I think that half of success is just mindset. And I do believe, and, you, and I, that's why I think it's great with your show, um, you know, having people like, you know, Carol Dweck and all these amazing icons and, and experts talk about the power of mindset and, and growth mindset and such. I really think that's a starting point. But the other half is really what we teach, which are all the mechanics, not the person that fixes your car, but like the, the tools, the strategies, the step-by-step recipes, if you will, to learn another language, to read a book a day, to be able to walk into a room and meet 30 strangers and leave saying by remembering every single one of their names, because I think these are critical skills, especially I know a lot of your listeners are thinking about starting their own business, or they are entrepreneurs, or anybody has a relationship with a human being. I mean, these are, these are superpowers that everyone that's attainable for anybody. There's so many things I want to I want to dig into from that. Let's start with Share a couple of the strategies that you have for for speed reading. What are some of these brain hacks? Okay, so so what I would start with, if you want, if people their goal is to read more. Let's say they want to read. I would start with the goal, and so, so let's say with with college students and high school students, I talk about their GPA, but I don't talk about it like their grade point averages. I, I do it as more of a, like a success formula. Where G stands for goal, P stands for purpose, and A stands for the action that's going to reach that goal. Right? It's kind of like H cubed. The, the H, you know, the goal is inside the head. The purpose is inside the heart. The action lies inside the hands, and so. Having having a book, let's say starting with the G the, in terms of the goal, I would have a goal for reading. I think one of the most important, I challenge everyone to do this also, is leaders are readers. And I challenge everybody who's not already doing this consistently to read 30 minutes a day. I mean, I do this whole morning routine where I have 12 things I do every single morning to jumpstart my brain. And I try to hit most of those 12 things because I think, you know, as, as you heard many times, and I'm not the first to talk about this, if you win the first, you know, hour or two of your day, then you can win the day. But I think people have really bad habits in the morning, like playing with their phone and stuff like that, that distracts them and wires them to be distracted, wires them to be reactive. But going back to how I start my day is I start more like, you know, my goal, the things I want to be able to accomplish. So we always start with a goal. So if we're talking about speed reading, I would have a goal in your reading. Let's say maybe it is to read one book a week. And so if you break that down, when it comes to hacking reading, I was looking on Amazon and said that the about the middle amount of words per book is about 64,000 words. And that's a really large number. But if you break it down, say the average person reads about 200 words per minute, we're talking about 320 minutes approximately to read a book. If you break that down into, let's say, seven days, I mean, we're talking about approximately 45 minutes of reading a day. I mean, which makes it much more doable. It's not like this unattainable goal for people who just never start with reading. So I would chart really hit, see if you could do 30 minutes and start with 30 minutes a day. So I got to work with a, one of my favorite actors is Will Smith, and I had the privilege of be able to coach him. And, and he has this phrase where he says, you know, there's two things I do every day. I like to run, I like to read. 
you know, I like to run, being some doing something physical, and I like to read, do something mental. But when I when it comes to your brain, I, and I can appreciate, you know, what I do is I help people to improve their mental intelligence, and I think it's great to be able to recall facts and figures and formulate all this stuff. But as important, if not more important than mental intelligence, is mental fitness. And really, when I talk about being a brain coach, just like how a physical trainer, a personal trainer at the gym will get make your muscles faster, make it stronger, give it energy, and give it focus, agility, that's what I want for your mental muscles. I want your, your mental mo- muscles to be focused. I want it to have energy, agility, flexibility, lots of power there. And a lot of it is underused. So going back to reading, breaking it down to really set goals, I challenge people to read 30 minutes a day, maybe up to 45 minutes, finish a book a week, and that would change your life. If They say that the, and I was looking online, and I saw these reports where people reading, the average person reads one or two books a year. The average CEO reads about four or five books a month, you know, about a book a week. And so I would commit to seeing if you can do 30 minutes a day and watch your life transform completely because you feed your brain, you know, it's good things in, good things out. Now, when it comes to the mechanics of reading, there's whole you know, programs on this. But fundamentally, if you people want to improve, usually they're reading speed, their focus or comprehension. And one of the things that will help all three of these things is using what they call a visual pacer. And this is such an easy brain hack. I and mean, I, I really have to emphasize and pull out for a minute before I go into this. You know, as you're listening to this, I doubt this is the first show you've ever listened to, right? I mean, you've let me, if you're listening to this show, you've listened to other shows, you've read other books and you've gone to conferences because you're on this path, this adventure of lifelong learning, because you know, in order for your life to grow, you need to grow your income to grow, you need to grow. And so I would say that what one of the dangers and the, and the traps in the personal development field is, is this idea where people always want the next best thing. And, and, I, and I totally get it because novelty, our, our, our minds thrive on novelty. Um, but there's a difference between a dabbler and somebody on the path of mastery. And I find that the people that are really on the path of mastery, that the people that I get to coach on a regular basis and spend time with that are icons in technology or entertainment or in politics or what have you, you know, they, they really focus on the fundamentals and they get really, really good at the basics. And it's that idea, you know, with that quote with Bruce Lee saying, I'm not scared of anything. The only thing I'm scared of is I'm not scared about, you know, I'm not scared of the man who's, who's, who practiced 10,000 kicks, you know, once who I'm scared of is the person who practiced one kick 10,000 times, metaphorically the 10,000 hours. And, and, you know, there's, there's some misunderstandings around that, but the idea here is, is getting really good at the basics. So what I'm going to give you is very basic and fundamental. And yet that's going to give you that. Those are the things that are going to give you the highest return. So for example, when I talk about a visual pacer, when you read a visual pacer is like underlining the words as you read with a pen, a highlighter, a pencil of your finger, a mouse on a computer, whatever it is, will boost your reading speed, your focus, and your comprehension. Simple. But often, again, it's common sense. And I'm going to ex- explain why it works. But common sense is not, as we know, it's not often common practice. And so the reason why it works is when you're underlining the words with your finger, as you're underlining, you know, not skipping anything, you know, fancy Finger motions, I don't think are necessary where you're, you know, uh, taking your finger and writing it down the page or making it look like an S. You're skipping over big pieces of information. And my clients are some of the top financial advisors, doctors, attorneys in the world. And you don't want your doctor just to get the gist of what he's reading or she's reading, right? And that wouldn't be the, that wouldn't be the goal. I'd be very scared to go to that kind of doctor. And so using a visual pacer will boost your reading speed 25 to 50%. 
Now, that, I don't know if that sounds remarkable or not. I, I find that I was blown away when I first saw this. And I'm not expecting people to believe what I'm saying. I'm saying you are the expert. Test it for yourself. Read something. Take a book. Pick up any book in your home or your office. Read for 60 seconds. Count the number of lines that you just read. And then reset the timer. And then this time, underline the words as you read the next 60 seconds. And you'll find that second number will be about 25 to 50% boost instantly. You know, with very, very little practice, maybe people have to practice for a few minutes to get a feel for whatever it is. And some people actually improve 100 percent their reading speed just using a visual pacer. I mean, I mean, Matt, that's pretty remarkable, right? I mean, a 25, 50 percent jump doesn't sound like a lot. But how many people would have loved to get, you know, gotten the 25, 50 percent return on their investments, you know, this past year? It's incredible, right? The reading takes time and time is time is money. And so the reason why, let's unpack this. The reason why using a visual pacer while you read works, uh, number one is it's interesting children do it. Every single child when they're learning to read will use their finger to help them maintain focus until we teach them not to do it. Second of all, you do it. And people who are listening saying, when I read, I don't use my finger. Uh, Yes, I understand that because we're taught that. But when I ask you to count the number of lines you just read, a hundred out of a hundred people will use their finger to count the number of lines because they're using a visual pacer, their finger to help maintain their focus so they can count. So we do it naturally until we're told to not do it. The third reason why I use your finger while you read is because um, your eyes are attracted to motion. As you're underlining the words, instead of your attention being pulled apart, which often it is, people will report to me all the time. They'll read a, have you ever read a page in a book, got to the end and just forgot what you, know, what you just read? I mean, it just happens, right? And you go back and you reread it and you still forget what you just read. And so by using your finger while you read, it maintains your focus, your attention's not being spread apart, it's being pulled through the information. And the fourth, and I'll give you one more, and this is one the one I find most interesting, is that certain senses in your nervous system works very closely together. Like for example, have you ever tasted, Matt, like a great tasting piece of fruit, like something like right off the vine, or like right from the farmer's market, I mean, there's, there's nothing, it's not like it's been sprayed for six months and sitting in wax and sitting in a supermarket and stuff. Like, have you ever tasted like a great tasting peach before? Yeah, yeah, for sure. It's amazing, right? And there's nothing like it. And now in actuality, you're not actually tasting a peach. So your tongue's not really capable of tasting everything that's in a, in a peach. What you're actually doing more so is you're smelling the peach. Um, and you're like, are you sure? It's like, yeah, because, you know, like, and, but your mind doesn't know the difference between uh, what you're tasting and what you're smelling because your sense of smell and your sense of taste are so closely linked in your nervous system. Um, you don't know the difference. You know it when you're sick, though. Like when your nose is congested and you can't breathe out of your nose, what does food taste like? It's bland. You know, it tastes, it's bland, right? And so it loses its flavor, if you will. It's because that's how much you rely on your sense of smell. And we confuse sometimes our sense of smell and taste. Just like our sense of smell and taste are so closely linked, so is our sense of sight and our sense of touch. That actually people who use their finger while they read, this is what they report. They'll say they feel more in touch, touch with their reading. And it's there's this kinesthetic connection. It's kind of like with a little child. If you're, let's say, you're, there's a toddler there, and you're you're kind of waving your keys, and they look at my keys. Look, like look with your eyes. Look at my keys, and the toddler will reach out and grab the keys because in order for the toddler to feel like they are looking at it, they have to touch it. In fact, when you lose your sense of sight, how do you read? You use your sense of touch, right? 
for with Braille and such. So just one really quick brain hack. And I spend more time explaining why to do it. Because again, going through H cubed, you could have in your head, I want to read 25, 50%, 100% faster. But if you're not practicing the technique with your hand, get into the motivation of it. That's why I explain why, you know, when I go into like leaders or readers and Bill Gates and an avid reader and just, you know, the more you can learn, the more you can earn. And then tap into, you know, your focal point in terms of things like um, like the reasons why. Because I do believe, I always tell people, and I get retweeted on this every day, it's just reasons reap results. Reasons reap results. And you always need to, if you're not taking action, like I just did a whole episode on pod procrastination, because I think so many people are overloaded, overwhelmed, they can't get themselves to start and do the things that they need to do. And part of it is they're just not tapping into their motivation in terms of why they need to do it. Other reasons why, interesting enough, when it comes to reading, I'll give you another brain hack, is um, changing habits, right? And so one of the re habits are so hard, but I do believe first you make your habits, and then your habits make you back. Right. So it really becomes excellence really comes down to a set of rituals and routines and habits. Um, and the, re the reason why you want to habitualize things, routine things, the reason why my whole first hour of the day is set up is because of uh, decision fatigue. Right. You're hearing this word all over the place is the idea in science. Um, the research is saying that you could only make a certain amount of good decisions a day. It's a finite amount. And after you hit that limit, you can't decide what to order at a restaurant at night because you're so fatigued. And they found this doing research with surgeons and how, you know, the increase of mistakes that they're making, you know, later in the day from when their start time was. And it's, it's interesting. And that's the reason why, you know, Mark Zuckerberg and Tony Shea of Zappos, that they wear the same t-shirt, they wear the same sweatshirt because they don't want to waste one of their good decisions on, on what, to, what am I going to wear today? And going back to, to what we're talking about in terms of, of reading and hacking your brain is, is starting new habits. And sometimes it takes a little bit more willpower to start it, a new habit, and to develop that habit. But once you're done with it, you know, I find that if we're always doing the easy things in life, then life is really hard. But if we're doing the difficult, the hard things in life, life becomes really easy. And reading and discipline is one of those things. But as we've heard many times, you know, discipline is not something that takes away from your freedom. Discipline is what gives you freedom. Because if you can't get yourself to do the things you need to do, meditate each day, journal each day, you know, make a, you know, I do this whole thing where I do brain teas and I make brain power smoothies and all this other stuff. If you can't get yourself to do that, then really that's a prison that's taken away from, from your, your, your freedom. And so when I'm, when I'm looking to do this, when it comes to habit formation, and I'm going to close this loop in a second, is besides starting with your why and reasons reaping results, is also breaking things down. A lot of people don't take on something brand new because it's this big monster. But if you break things down into tiny habits, they got to interview this uh, gentleman. He's a researcher at Stanford University. His name is Dr. B.J. Fogg. And we did a two-parter on how to create habits and how to undo bad habits, break bad habits. And he was talking about this very specific model. It's called BMAT. Behavior equals motivation, ability, and trigger. Be mad. And so whatever behavior you want, let's say it's to read each day, you need to your behavior is equal to the motivation. You need a motive. You need a motive, some some kind of reward or incentive that for what that reading is going to give you. You need the ability to be able to read, and then you need a trigger. And that's the area that a lot of things get ignored, because if you know, often if, when it comes down to memory training, it comes down to anchors and triggers, things reminders, for example. Like one of the triggers 
that, that I have, like, it's silly, but every time I get into an elevator, if, especially uh, when I'm alone, I'll just do squats. And it's so s- silly, but it's just, I feel like, you know, we've, you've heard that sitting is the new smoking, right? That li- leaving a very sedentary lifestyle, that sitting at your computer all day for eight hours a day is really bad for you. You need to get up. And I recommend this uh, pom- Pomodoro technique. It's a time management technique that says that they find that there's huge dips of focus after about 30 to 45 minutes. And setting my my phone alarm every 30 minutes to 45 minutes to just remind me to get up and take a five-minute break is very important. And going back to memory training and reading training, the reason why I don't read for more than 30 or 45 minutes, the reason why I don't study anything for 35, more than 35, for you know, 30 45 minutes or so on average is because there's something called primacy and recency, primacy and recency. So primacy says it's a memory uh, principle. It says you tend to remember things in the beginning. So if I give you, Matt, a list of 30 words to memorize, um, you probably remember the first few words because that's prime. It's first. Uh, recency says you tend to remember things more recent or at the end. So you, you probably remember a few of those last words because they're more recent. Similar to if you went to a party and you meet 20 strangers there, you probably remember primacy, the people in the beginning at the party, and recency, the people at the end. Now, how do you use this when it comes to reading and studying and stuff like that? A lot of people, they, they realize there's a learning curve. What they don't realize is there's a forgetting curve, right? You learn something, you be gone. Um, but if you want to insulate that and mitigate the loss, um, studying for five hours is not the process to do it. That's why we take breaks. Because if primacy says you remember stuff in the beginning of that five hours, you know, and then stuff at the end of that five hours. But in the middle, there's a huge dip and, you know, regression where you lose that information. By taking a break every 45 minutes and breaking up that five hours into 45-minute chunks with five-minute breaks, all of a sudden you created more beginnings and more ends. You see that? Like all of a sudden you could have like eight beginnings and eight ends, which creates more primacy and more recency, which is more opportunities to retain information. And it also coincides with your, our focus, that we can maintain, you know, really peak focus for more than 30 or so minutes. And then so since you're getting diminishing returns, you should take a little brain break, if you will, for five minutes and, you know, do things that are good for your brain. Movement, which is very important. Deep breathing, which is very important because most people get tired because they're not getting enough oxygen. And then hydration because your brain is mostly water and it it needs to be hydrated. And so going back to habit formation, where I like to start with people is just breaking it down. I don't even tell people to read for 20, 30 minutes. I'll just say, hey, just pick up a book and read one word. And that's 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 where what I mentioned, Tiny Habits, that's out of Dr. B.J. Fogg's work at Stanford. That's where Instagram came out of and everything out of one of his students is just starting somewhere small and then like like just flossing your teeth. Like we know flossing your teeth actually is good for your health. It actually helps you live longer. It's crazy, right? That brain hack. But most people don't floss their teeth. And what I would say for them is just, hey, practice flossing one tooth. Now, who's going to just floss one tooth? Nobody, right? And so you're going to do the second tooth and the third and fourth and so on. But that's one of the ways of overcoming procrastination is starting with your why, having a real reason, motivation, a motive for action. And number two, breaking things into tiny little habits where it's attainable. So instead of thinking about, oh, I got to go to the, all the way to the gym and do this 60, 90 minute work, whatever, tiny habits is putting on your your sneakers right that's something everybody could do and then you start building momentum and then there's a memory principle actually called the zygarnik effect zygarnik effect is a psychologist dr zygarnik in europe that was noticing she would notice when she's at this cafe that the wait staff the waiter or the waitress would remember everybody's order 
I mean, have you ever had like a gone out to dinner and had somebody like memorize your order? You're at like a table, sizable table, and they're not writing any of it down. And this, it's the reason why they could do it is something called the Zygarnik effect. Unless they've been, unless, you know, we do a lot of training at a lot of the hospitality hotels and in restaurants and such. But if the Zygarnik effect basically says that the mind doesn't like uh, open loops, and, you know, it needs closure. I mean, even when I'm talking. Right now, I'm opening up a lot of loops, right? And then I'm going through and I'm cycling through and I'm closing them, you know, with, you know, with reading and habits and everything else like that. But the Zygarnik effect basically says that, that if a waiter opens up the loop in terms of what your order is, they will remember it until they deliver the order. And once the order is delivered and the customer has their food, they forget it. And similar to procrastination and getting yourself to take action, once you at least start somewhere, the mind is more likely to want to finish it and conclude it because it doesn't like keeping that that door open and it wants to be able to to finish. And so when it comes to speed reading, I would start with using a visual pacer. It'll boost your productivity 25, 50%. Some of you will double your reading speed. Remember, saving one hour a day saves you nine weeks of productivity every single year. That's two months of productivity. And I would say if you can't get yourself to do that, break it down and just say, okay, I, yeah, I want to build up to reading 20 or 30 minutes a day because I liked what Jim is saying. And that makes sense. Reading a book a week, 50 books a year, you know, and really retaining it. It's going to be huge for my career and my, my personal life. And just saying, Hey, I'm going to break this down. I'm just going to read one sentence, start with that. And then once you read the first sentence, I guarantee you read the second sentence and so on. And just practice. It's, it's a misnomer. Everyone says practice, you know, makes makes it makes perfect but i always say that practice makes progress right practice makes permanent and that's that's really the goal and uh, sorry there's a little bit of a background noise here too because we're doing this in you know in real time carmax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you because at carmax we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car you should love your car that's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hiring the right person takes time. Time that you often don't have but you shouldn't let a time crunch get in the way of finding the right candidates for your business. That's why LinkedIn is the best place to post your job. In fact, I was on LinkedIn Jobs this morning looking for candidates to fill a key role in one of my businesses. 
LinkedIn Jobs screens candidates with hard and soft skills you're looking for so that you can hire the right person quickly. You can look for things like collaboration, creativity, and adaptability, looking beyond just work skills and resumes to connect you with the candidates who are a perfect match for your business. That's how LinkedIn makes sure that your job post gets in front of the people you actually want to hire because they have a much better ability to get a deep insight into exactly who is the right candidate for you and your business. Find the right person meant for your business today with LinkedIn Jobs. You can pay what you want and the first $50 is on them. Just visit linkedin.com slash success. Again, that's linkedin.com slash success to get $50 off your first job post. Terms and conditions apply. No worries, no worries. I'd like to come back to the concept of, of sort of applied knowledge and, and the idea that you, you mentioned people on the path to mastery focus on the fundamentals, right? One of the things that, that I recently realized and have really sort of shifted my focus on a little bit is uh, I feel like there's so much information out there. There's so many new you know, self-help books, information, all this stuff. And, and I've actually kind of dialed back and said, I'm going to read less. I'm going to focus on really high quality stuff, reading it very deeply and deliberately, and then actually applying and using the information that I read about. Yeah, I'm, I'm a big, I could completely support that. I'm, I'm, a, I'm an advocate for people, whatever it takes to actually uh, use the information, because I think there's this imposter effect, meaning that a lot of people get in personal development and they they're trying to live up to some kind of standard that they're seeing, you know, in the industry or social media. And I think people waste a lot of energy there trying to maintain this image of who they pretend that they are. And then they're putting energy into an area where they feel like this is who they fear they are. And then the energy into who they really are. And a lot of people are depleted that way. And say, I would say that you're hundred percent right that, you know, I learned something if you're not going to apply it for something. And there's certain areas that are okay, you know, certain areas that you can learn at a surface and that you feel well read on it and it serves you. And there's certain areas based on your filter and your qualification, how you're qualifying information of information that you want to deep dive into something. And I think a lot of us cycle through both areas, you know, from one thinking to another, where sometimes we want to like, just like with people, some people want to go out and meet a lot of quality, you know, quantity people, and other people want to go deeper with the handful of people that they're interested in. And there's no necessarily right or wrong. And I think that's great because that comes down to, again, starting with a goal in mind and having a purpose. And so I, I like mastery um, because I feel like the future belongs to those, those experts who are really to demonstrate a level of outstanding ability and competence. And so I'm completely good with focusing on one subject, focusing on one book. Um, when I say speed reading, again, it's a misnomer that I'm not talking about skimming or scanning. You never read faster than you understand. I'm about up-leveling people's ability to process information through a series of questions that they're asking, through a series of note-taking, through a series of teaching other people and relating to other people so they could go deeper in the level of knowledge. So it's not just some information that's from some third party, but when they're teaching it to other people, they get to make it more personal for themselves, even a nice brain hack to help people boost their comprehension is reading something. And then after you're reading it, talking about it to somebody else. And that's why book clubs are so powerful 
you know, because learning is not always solo, it's social, that we don't learn just by consuming information. We learn best by co-creating it with other people. And really, all the other thing is there's, it's valid, it's meaning that you're, like, I'm all about saying no in, in our life. I think people should say no more often and make things more, more clear. I think people, one of the reasons why people feel overloaded, overwhelmed, that they feel depleted, they feel like there's too much um, mental fatigue is because they're overcommitting to things all the time. They're, they're out there saying yes to everything. And, you know, when you say yes to everything, it's the equivalent of highlighting everything. Like if you, if I see these people that, that are just are reading and they're just like highlighting every other sentence, but if you make everything important, then nothing becomes important. And it's similar to like that book is similar to your life. If you overcommit to everything and everything becomes important, then nothing becomes important. And I don't think you can necessarily manage your time as because this time is very abstract, but I do believe we can manage our behavior and our priorities. And it's even hard for me to say the word priorities because as you know, you know, from your reading that the word priorities was never plural. Like it was never multiple priorities. <laughs> it was always just one thing until, you know, more recently over the past few decades, people have all these priorities. Um, but if everything becomes important, nothing becomes important. And so I would scale back to if, if it's a goal for people to reach a level of mastery in a specific subject, then I would not dabble. There's nothing wrong with reading slowly. I just want to make sure people know that reading slowly doesn't necessarily equate to understanding because some people read so painfully slow, they don't retain anything. It's like riding a bicycle really slow. If I ride a bicycle really, really slow, I'm going to end up falling falling over, right? Because the brain, one of the reasons, I'll, I'll debunk this myth a little bit as best I can in, in this in like a very short period of time, but a lot of people think that if they read faster, their comprehension will go down. And, you know, maybe because I work with a lot of people from all kinds of countries and backgrounds and levels of education, I find that it's a misnomer and it's, it's actually not actually correct because so, I find that some of the best readers are, um, in terms of their comprehension are actually some of the fastest readers because they have the best focus, meaning that the human brain is, is an incredible capacity to process information. Yet when we read, we feed it one word at uh, time. Metaphorically, we're starving our mind. And if you don't give your brain the stimulus it needs, it'll seek entertainment elsewhere in the form of distraction. So what a lot of, there's a myth out there that people that read faster don't understand as much, but in actuality, they have some of the best understanding because they have the best focus. It's equivalent of, like, notice when I was talking slowly, it's like reading slowly. It's like people, you start thinking about other things. If I kept on talking slow, your mind would wander. You would get tired. You would go off and do something else. You would fall asleep or whatever it is. But isn't, aren't those the same exact symptoms people have when they read? Their mind wanders. They get tired. They use reading as a sedative. It's such a boring chore because you're, you're, you're dulling your brain. And so it's like driving a car. If you're driving in your neighborhood, you're going 15, 20 miles slow. You could do a lot of different things because you're going so slow. You could be drinking your bulletproof coffee, you could be texting, which you shouldn't. You know, you could be having a conversation, thinking about the dry cleaning, five different things because you're only going 20 miles an hour. But if you're racing cars going 200 miles an hour down a raceway, do you have more or less focus? 100% focus, right? You're not trying to text. You're not trying to fix your makeup. You're not trying to, you know, think about the clients or dry cleaning or anything. You're 100% focused on what's in front of you. And that focus gives you the comprehension that, that you want. And so what I would say is if you want to go deep in your information, then definitely go deep, especially if it serves you for a topic that's important to you. And then do a bunch, you know, still use your finger while you read. Don't read any faster than you understand. 
it also as well. But I think that the speed will give you the focus and the focus will give you the comprehension that you're looking for. I think that's a great oh. distinction is essentially the idea that it's not about whether you're reading slowly or quickly. It's really about reading for maximum understanding and maximum comprehension. Right. To your goal, because some people could skim or speed read, quote unquote, the newspaper and they get full, you know, they get fully satisfied. You know what I mean? Because not everything that we read, do we need to 100 percent focus on or retain every single bid and chunk, you know, really depends on what your outcome is. And that's why having questions is so important for comprehension, whether it's listening to a podcast or reading a book or going to a seminar or reading someone's blog, questions are the answer. What questions do is they activate that part of your brain called the reticular activating system, RAS for short, but basically it determines right now there's 2 billion stimuli in your environment that you can pay attention to, but you can't because mainly your brain is, is a de- deletion device because it, you would grow, you would be mad. You go crazy if you had to pay attention to too much. And so mostly it's trying to block stuff out. So you have this reticular activating system that determines where your focus goes. So years ago, years ago, my sister was sending me postcards and emails, photos of, of these uh, pug dogs, you know, these little sh- like smushed in face, little fawn or, you know, whatever, buff dogs. And, and I was like, why is she sending this to me? And I, and I realized that her birthday was coming up, right? And that's what she wanted. But I noticed everywhere I was going, I go to the supermarket, I see, you know, a lady holding a, a pug dog. I'd be running and doing my jog around my neighborhood. I saw this guy like walking six pug dogs. And I was like, where were these pug dogs before? And the truth is they were always there. It's just my mind that fell into that 2 billion of things that I just didn't pay attention to. But once she made it important to me, like me asking, why is she sending this to me? What's so important about pug dogs? I started seeing pug dogs everywhere. And just when it comes to those, if you imagine pug dogs are the answer you're looking for, they're the knowledge or the wisdom, comprehension, if you will, that you want, then you'll start seeing them everywhere. If you have questions about sales or marketing or personnel, whatever it is, then when you're listening to the podcast or reading that book, all of a sudden you're like, there's an answer, there's an answer, there's an answer, because it acts like a magnet and you're pulling the information inside as opposed to somebody, a lecturer trying to push it inside of you because the brain doesn't work that way. It works better by wanting to, to answer these questions to themselves and satisfy that open loop. And so I would focus mostly on what your outcome is for reading and then that should determine your level of, you know, speed and comprehension. And because some people, like, I don't speed read everything. Like some things, like one of the challenges that to overcome, I mean, the reason why our programs are so successful and we're getting 300% increase in reading speed uh, on our online is because the biggest challenge when it comes to reading actually is not focus. It's something called sub-vocalization. And sub-vocalization is that inner talk that we have you know, you notice, Matt, when you're reading something to yourself, you hear that inner voice inside your your head reading along with you. Yeah, you hear that voice and stuff. Yeah, and hopefully it's your own voice. It's not like somebody else's voice. <laughs> you don't hear like two or three voices in there. And the reason why it's a challenge is because if you have to say all the words to understand what you're reading, you can only read as fast as you could talk, not as fast as you could think. That's why when I listen to podcasts, and many people listen to podcasts or listen to books on, you know, like Audible and stuff like that books, audiobooks, is they put it on 1.5 or 2.0 or whatever, because you could actually understand all that information. It's just you can't possibly talk that fast. 
And so you don't have to say words in your mind to understand what words mean. And it's just a bad habit we picked up when we were kids based on the way we were taught in school. But the fastest readers, I find, don't pronounce a lot of the words because you don't have to pronounce a word like New York City, take all the time to say it because you know what it means on sight. And 95% of the words you read every single day are what they call sight words. You don't have to pronounce them to understand them because you've seen them tens of thousands of times. And then this is just going into just reading methodology and, and stepping into a, this common sense corner of your mind saying, does what I, what I learned back then still make sense to me? And I think being able to, you know, being a quick learner or having what I call a quick brain is not, it's not about just memorizing facts, right? Because you get a lot of facts on Google, but it's ability to be able to focus, be able to absorb, to learn, to teach, to apply this information. That being said, a good memory now is more important than ever because at any given time, you can only, our life is a reflection of our decisions that we make day to day, right? Like the decisions of where to live and what to do and who to be with and what to eat and everything. But you can only make good decisions based on the information you know and remember. And that's why, you know, Socrates said learning is remembering, that without remembering, you can't make good decisions and you, you're, you're, you can't, you lose your power in the areas that, that you would normally be able to really be unstoppable. So another strategy, and I think that's the really key point, right? And in, in today's world, there's so much out there. How can we focus on really capturing and remembering as much as possible, sort of aligned with our goals in terms of what we've determined we want to learn about? And one of the strategies that, that I've heard you talk about in the past is using things like mind maps. Will you talk a little bit about that? Mm -hmm. So what happens is, when we're learning something, if you want, if people want to learn any subject or skill faster, whether it's Mandarin or martial arts or it's marketing, you know, music, whatever it is, obviously everyone likes to do it faster. Now, what helps you to be able to do it faster is to overcome what they call the forgetting curve. That within 48 hours, just two days, up to 80% of what you learn can be gone within two days. And that that's kind of a... You know, that, that's a lot of, of loss that's there. And one of the ways to keep that from happening is by taking good notes. And so I, I like to talk about different ways of taking notes, different than making notes. And that's my distinction is that when I take notes, very simply, so mind mapping is one way of taking notes. It was, it was created by a gentleman by the name of Tony Buzan, and some of your listeners may be very familiar with it, where you put the main idea in the middle of the page and branching out, just like the branches of a tree, you have those sub-ideas. So imagine the middle is health, and then branching out of health is, oh, it's exercise, and then another branch out of the trunk is, is called nutrition, and so on. And then often nutrition could be a branch that says food, you know, because that's one place you get your nutrition. And then off another part of the nutrition branch could be supplements and so on. Then you can have a branch come off of supplements, you know, different kinds of nutritional supplements and so on, or different kinds of food. You could break down the food groups. You could have this rare kind of sardine that leads to this, to the fish, to lead to protein, to lead to food, to lead to, you know, nutrition and the least overall health. So it's kind of a neat way on one page view, instead of seeing notes on like 20 pages, linear notes, and something on page 17 can be more important than what's on page one, but it's buried on page 17. So mind mapping is one way of seeing all the notes on one page view and seeing the relationships and the associations, because ultimately all learning is going to come down to associations, one thing linked to another. You know, when you're learning something, you're taking something unknown, something outside of you, and you're connecting it to something that you know. 
already. And that's why metaphors are such a powerful way of learning um, when you're comparing things to what you already understand. And so um, another way, if that's too, like the mind map with all the colors and the icons and the images is too right brain or imaginary create, creative for somebody, what I recommend and I did a whole show on this is just take a piece of paper and put a, a line down the middle of the page. And on the left side, take notes. And on the right side, make notes. Now, there's a clear distinction here. What, I, what I'm talking about is, because it's only like a letter off, note-taking is where you're capturing information. You're capturing the strategies or the ideas. This is how to read faster. Okay, use your visual pacer. Oh, great, great. Do one thing at a time. To clean. That would be where you're taking notes. On the left side, you're capturing notes. But on the right side, you're writing your impressions of what you're capturing. So on the right side, you're actually, instead of taking notes, you're making notes. Instead of capturing it, you're actually creating. And so on the right side, you're writing down questions that you have, how it relates to what you already know, how you're going to teach it to somebody else. And I think that's very important because when you t look at geniuses, and I don't just mean IQ geniuses, people who are excelling in any area, uh, in, in any industry, you know, the majority of them journal. You know, they, they take lots, lots of notes. And, um, and when you're there, and it's interesting because I, I just had dinner recently with this very well-known multi-billionaire and during the this this gala if you will he was just taking lots of notes of every single what every speaker was saying and everything and i think that's one of the ways not only do we retain information but it also helps us to make new associations to something like think about the journals of einstein and edison and da vinci and how much how priceless those things are you know there's there's studies you know that want to know like is it because they're geniuses that they journal all the time or is it because they're taking notes and journaling all the time that makes them a genius and so i'm a big believer in note taking whether it's mind mapping or this idea of capturing on the left side and creating on the other side because and that's the other reason is it also is a great focus tool because if your attention is going to go somewhere else like it often does when you're listening to a podcast or sitting in a conference or a summit or whatever then it might as well go on the right side of the page your creative, you know, expression of things might as well go to like, oh, how, how does this relate to what I already know? And, you know, what about this? And how am I going to share this with this person and everything? And by the way, you notice that I'm, I'm talking a lot about teaching other people because another brain hack, if you will, is learn something with the intention of teaching it to somebody else. And again, it's common sense, but it's not common practice that uh, I challenge everybody who's listening to this to re-listen to this episode and listen with the intention of teaching it to someone very specific. Because if you had to give a talk on this in a couple of days, 48 hours from now on stage or coach somebody on how to speed read or whatever, you would listen at a higher level. You would be more active. You would ask more questions. You would take better notes because you would have a stake in it. And the, you know, the reason why I like that is, I mean, what I get, what gets tweeted all the time is this thing I would I say is I say, I say that um, when you teach something you get to learn it twice, you know because intention matters. With you, if you learn with the intention of teaching and sharing it with somebody else, when you teach it you get to learn it twice. And so I would if you want to accelerate your learning and learn any subject or any skill faster, learn it with the idea, the motive to teach it to someone else. And again, going back to this mastery path about fundamentals and the basics, this is very basic. It's not very sexy, but it's going to get you the result that you're looking for. Tell me a little bit about the, the FAST method and the strategies you have for learning faster. 
Perfect. So I love talking about this because so this is a framework that I use, just a guide system for learning anything more quickly, because I think that's what we want to do, right? Our ability to acquire new skills, our ability to acquire new subjects. And so really simple for four steps. The F stand in FAST stands for forget. And if you want to learn something faster, I would say forget what you already know about a subject. And not permanently. I mean, but just set aside what you already know. I find that when I'm coaching somebody, as long as they have a motivation to learn something and then they have an open mind to learn something, a beginner's mind, that's really the, the phrase here, then they can learn faster. But a lot of people won't learn something faster because they feel like they know everything and they're not going to learn faster. So I would say if you want to learn something new, temporarily forget about what you think you know about it. The other thing I would say really fast when it comes to forgetting, I would forget about what's going on that's not urgent and important. It's a myth that you can multitask. It has completely been debunked. You guess you could walk and chew gum and have a conversation on the phone. But if you needed to, you can't do two cognitive intensive activities at once. It's not possible. So it's a myth. And when people are multitasking, what they really are doing is what they call task switching. They're switching from one task to another. And every single time you switch to another task, because you're getting these dopamine fixes and everything, because you're getting rewarded for the novelty, you're feeling like you're getting stuff done, but it actually takes you another five to 10 to 20 minutes just to regain your focus and your flow. And so you lose time and you actually, that person also has more errors. So they make more mistakes. And so I would say focus on one thing, but the F when it comes to forgetting, I would forget about anything else that's not going on. That's uh that's going on that's not urgent and important because if 25% of your attention is being spent trying to do this and thinking about this and this, that only leaves you like 25% to really learn. The last F I would say for forgetting is forget about what you know about a subject, forget about situational things, but also forget about your limitations because most people are out there and they, they have a focus on what they can't do. They have a fixed mindset where they are saying, oh, I'm just too old or, oh, I'm just not smart enough or I didn't go to that school or I don't have that background or this runs in my family or whatever it is. And they'll fight for their limitations. And if you argue for your limits, you get to keep them. If you argue for your limits, you get to keep them. And so I would stop fighting for them. Instead, just set the possibility that something else is possible. And then just a quick hack, you know, if you find yourself saying, I'm not successful just add add the word yet three letters at the end of that limitation so at least your mind opens up the possibility that it's going to happen right because imagination is very powerful but be very careful whatever you put behind the words i am right those are very the two smallest words but they're most powerful words on the planet because whatever you put after i am is going to determine your life right at an identity level so forget about subjects and what you know forget about situation forget about limitations the a is active so if you want to learn any subject or skill faster you need to be active about it well, i was saying that one of the challenges is most people grew up with this very passive education where they were just sitting quietly by themselves not talking to their neighbors they had to regurgitate information or road memory and three passive and learning is not a spectator sport Learning is not a spectator sport. You have to get off the bench, roll up your sleeves, and get involved. So ask questions, be active, take notes like we we're talking about. The S in FAST stands for state. And this is a really key one. So I want to really emphasize this. If you walk out with anything from this conversation, know this. All learning is state-dependent. All learning is state-dependent. Now, what is your state? A state is a simple word for a snapshot of the mood of your mind and your body, how you feel, your emotional state. And the reason why it's important is one of the keys 
when it comes to quick recall, if you want a better memory that I teach, is information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. Information combined with emotion becomes a long-term memory. And you know this because there's probably a song, a fragrance, or a food or something that could take you back to when you were a kid, right? We all have it. There's a food, a scent, a perfume, a, a, it's a fragrance, you know, some kind of music, whatever. It takes us back decades. And that's because information combined with emotion became a long-term memory. You didn't have to repeat it over and over again. You did it once and it'll be there forever. And that's, a, that's really accurate when it comes to learning, that it, you have to add emotion into your learning process. Otherwise, we don't remember the boring. We don't remember the mundane. Because if your emotional state is zero, zero times anything is zero. And so you want to up your state. So we have control of our state and how we feel because what I challenge everybody here is to be a thermostat, not a thermometer. What's the difference? A thermometer is something functioning, functionally it reacts to the environment. It reflects the environment, what the environment is giving it. And that's not a thermostat though. A thermostat is different. A thermostat sets a standard. It sets a goal. It sets a vision. And all of a sudden what happens to the environment, the environment raises to meet that standard because that's the power of a thermostat. And I'm here to say that just remember who you are, that you're more of a thermostat than a thermometer and that whatever you set that to, you're more likely to be able to achieve. And the thing that you really want to set the standard for most is how you feel about things and you can control how you feel based on just your mind and your body you know you change your thoughts right thoughts are things and there's a biology there's a biology to belief as we've learned and also by moving your physiology it affects your psychology that's changing your posture doing deep breathing doing the things that i do in like my morning jumpstart your brain kind of thing it changes your physiology and all of a sudden it changes the way you, you feel and when you change the way you feel you're going to learn faster the, the last, finally the t and fast is what we covered already. It's teach. Because I think there's two reasons to learn anything. You learn it, number one, how it could benefit you. But the other reason you learn anything is because how it could benefit somebody else. And so I would always learn. One of the reasons why I feel like I learn fast is I everything I learn, I learn to be able to share with somebody else. And I, that's who I am. You know, I don't, and I think everyone else should do that. And you should give and pay it forward that way. And you don't, don't give to get. Give because it's who you are. And so I think, you know, they say those who can't do teach. I never thought that was a negative. And, you know, I said, wow, those who can't do teach. And when you teach it, then you could do it. And I would encourage people. So that's fast. Forget the active, manage your state and learn with the intention of teaching somebody else. And really quickly, for somebody who wants to, we've covered so many topics today. For someone who wants to really simply and easily start implementing some of these ideas today, what would kind of one piece of homework be? be that you would give them as a starting point uh, to begin? Yeah, I'll, I'll give people two. Number one, I would invite people to, to, to listen to our podcast. It's only 10 minutes long. It's not guest driven. It's just one brain a hack, brain, one brain hack for busy people who want to learn faster and achieve more on how to learn a language or how to you know, get rid of negative habits, how to read a book a week and so on. So it's not a big time investment. There's zero cost. Number two, I would say schedule it. And that's the big thing I would encourage people to do. I think people don't, they talk about things all the time. If you want to turn knowledge into real power, you have to schedule it down to a task or activity and you have to schedule it and treat it as time that you would never cancel it with somebody. You know, you would never cancel on a family member. You never cancel this doctor's appointment. You never cancel this meeting with an investor or your number one client. Because if we talk about stuff, it's a dream. But when you write it down and put it into your calendar, 
then it's real. And I would say that the most important thing to take something invisible and make it visible is make it visible on your calendar. And so I would say like, you know, even with your, with your show, I would say, Hey, you know, this many times a week, I'm going to listen to this show at this time. And then once it's in there, that's your learning time and it's time you never compromise. And so I would encourage everybody to listen to this episode again, maybe try actually listen to this episode again and do the note taking with the intention of teaching that capture and create. But the big thing is um, schedule your learnings and everybody has a to-do list. For me, two more important lists that I have is a not to-do list. Like I, I never touch my phone the first hour of the day. I think it's some of the most destructive things to your productivity or performance. So I have a, a very large not to-do list, uh, but I also have a to learn list. And I think that's very important that if you want to be a leader, that you always are learning, you're dedicated to lifelong learning and pick subjects and skills that you want to, you know, every 30 days take on a new challenge because when we're growing, you know, when we're green, we're growing, when we're brown, we're rotting. And I think all of us, everyone who's listening to this wants to grow to the, you know, to their fullest potential. And I would say it starts with scheduling time for yourself and it's time well invested. And Jim, where can people find you and your show online? The best place for people to go is um, quickbrain.com. Now you have to spell quick. Quick really is my last name. I didn't change it to do what I do. It's K-W-I-K, quickbrain.com. That's how people can see our podcast. You can see it on Stitcher and um, iTunes and so on. And then I would love to continue the conversation on social media. I'm very, very active on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. It's just at Jim Quick, J-I-M-K-W-I-K. And I would love people to actually you know, tag both of us on this episode. So if you're sharing this episode, you know, as a way of you teaching somebody else, like we talked about, I think that's important. I would love to know everybody's big takeaway. So if there's one aha after this conversation that we had together, I would love for you to post that big aha, because that's a way of you demonstrating you're taking the invisible, make it visible, and you're teaching it. So you're owning it and make it your own and uh, tag us in it. And I would love to read that and respond it and, you know, reshare it also as well. But uh, yeah, Quick Brain is the podcast, quickbrain.com, KWIK, and at Jim Quick, KWIK. I think that's great. And, and I'll second that. I, I respond to every listener tweet. And so definitely do that. We'll both chime in and, and give you some feedback. Jim, thank you so much for coming on the show. You shared a tremendous amount of wisdom today. Really appreciate all of the awesome insights that you shared with our listeners. Matt, that was, this was tremendous. I really appreciate you and everyone who's listening. I um, remember you're, you're faster and smarter than you think. I wish your days before lots of life and lots of love, lots of laughter, and always lots of learning. Thank you. Thank you so much for listening to The Science of Success. We created the show to help you our listeners, master evidence-based growth. I love hearing from listeners. If you want to reach out, share your story, or just say hi, shoot me an email. My email is matt at successpodcast.com. That's M-A-T-T at successpodcast.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I personally read and respond to every single listener email. I'm going to give you three reasons why you should join our email list today by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. First, you're going to get our exclusive weekly Mindset Monday email, which listeners have been loving. It's simple, short, sweet articles and stories that we've enjoyed from the last week. Next, you're going to get a chance to shape the show, vote on guests, submit your own personal questions, vote on things like changing our intro, and much more. Lastly, you're going to get awesome free guides that we create based on listener demand, including our most popular guide, How to Organize and Remember Everything. 
which you can get completely for free along with another surprise bonus guide when you sign up and join the email list today. You can join by going to successpodcast.com and signing up right on the homepage. Or if you're on the go, just text the word SMARTER, that's S-M-A-R-T-E-R, to the number 44222. Remember, the greatest compliment you can give us is a referral to a friend, either live or online. If you've enjoyed this episode, please leave us an awesome review and subscribe on iTunes. That helps more and more people discover the science of success. Don't forget, if you want to get all this incredible information, links, transcripts, everything we've talked about, and much more, be sure to check out our show notes, which you can get at successpodcast.com. Just go there and hit the show notes button right at the top. Thanks again, and we'll see you on the next episode of The Science of Success. One, two, three, four. Those are numbers, but you already knew that. If you want to know what number you're going to pay each month for your car, use Kelly Blue Book My Wallet on AutoTrader. They're really good at numbers. AutoTrader.